There it goes. All right. We are continuing on our topic of the biblical value of trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5-6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. It's um, trusting in the person and in the character in God's word is vital for us. Um, he is worthy of our trust. Uh, he does truly know best and he does truly care. And so um, the biblical, I call it a biblical value, but our faith, our trust in the Lord is key in our walk with God. It just, it just is. It starts with faith and it continues on with faith. And one of these days our faith shall be made sight. We'll actually see the object of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our father is a very wise father. He knows, what I love about this is he knows where each and every one of us are in our development. You know, those of you who have been parents, you watch your kids grow up. They each have their own personalities. They, they each have their own rate of, of growth and development. They, they each have their own uh, character qualities, both good and bad. Well, God's very much aware of that of, of us as well. I mean, he's, he's very much a, uh, the same thing with us. Uh, sometimes we have a tendency to think that we're more mature than we are. We have that uh, teenage mentality about us, right? We want to be treated like adults. We want to have the same rights of an adult. But mentally, we still have that entitlement attitude that children have. So faith is very, very important, and God works with our faith. And one of, the ways that, one of the ways that God works in developing our faith is through our, through our experiences, our situations, our circumstances. That's what we've been kind of talking about. And of course, the most, what is the most important experience or circumstance in your life? Salvation. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Salvation. Exactly. Salvation. The most important experience that occurs in our life is that time when we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And the only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. That is the greatest experience that, that we all have. And it all, it all builds from that. Because when salvation comes into our lives, God immediately sets about to radically reorient everything about us. He, he goes about this, this radical reorientation, this, this operation that will continue from the moment we receive Christ all the way till when? Yeah, yeah when we stand before the Lord, right? So did, were you guys aware of that when you got saved, that God was changing you? starting to work on you. Some of us, I think, were more so than others. But I can remember even in my, my pot-addled brain, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I, I knew, okay, there's something different here. I'm not going the right direction I should be going. Well, that was God working in my life because of that new life that he had given me. And that's true of all of us. So as we learn about this new life, that we have in Jesus Christ. God is going through this orient, this uh, reorienting everything about us, our attitudes, our desires, our aspirations, our goals, all of this. And the, and the more we cooperate with God in this, <laughs> the better off we are. 
the better off we are. Uh, and something else that we have a promise, and I don't think I covered this um, when I was talking about circumstances, but God permits circumstances. He does. He permits circumstances to happen in our life. But let me ask you something. Do you think God permits something in your life that you're not able to handle? Well, think about that. Yes. You think so? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. God, this is the thing here we have to keep in mind. When something happens, God permits that something. But he never permits that something without him knowing you can handle it. Isn't that kind of make way out? That's what I'm getting ready to quote. First, uh, Sherry was quoting it. First Corinthians 10:13. There hath no temptation, proving, trial, testing, taking you, but such as common to man. So you're not the only one that's ever gone through it. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you, allow or permit you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it so you may not think oh I can't take any more of this God is a good father he knows exactly where you are and he he allows things that he knows that you're able to handle through him that's the key through him He he is the life preserver he is the life preserver. He is the life preserver. You know, as we consider circumstances, you know, God will not place his pe- people in a stressful situation without him being there with his people to help him through that situation. He just won't, he won't do that. He's a good father. Yeah. He, yes, ma'am. Refining is a stressful process. Yes, refining is a stressful. When you turn that heat up, it is. But as we discovered, it's, it's got a purpose. There's a purpose for, behind all of that, all of that pressure. As Martha Stewart would say, this is a good thing. <laughs> it may not feel like it at the time that you're going through it, but when you get on the other side, you can step back and look back and see how God has managed the whole thing. The key is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. Acknowledge him in all thy ways. You know, um, sometimes we make decisions on a spiritual high. Right? We make decisions on a spiritual high. We'll, we'll hear a rousing sermon or we'll, we'll go to a vision conference and that'll really whip up the spiritual juices in our heart. And so we'll step forward and we'll make this grand commitment. Be careful. Because what will happen is God will allow a circumstance to come about to test that commitment. How serious are you in this thing? Now, does he do that to be mean? No, he does that to expose ourselves to ourselves, to test that commitment, to test that commitment. Yep, he does. Yes, ma'am. I had a friend, a Christian friend one time say to me, God, that wouldn't happen to me because I couldn't handle it. God knows I couldn't handle it. That's not what we're saying, right? No. I mean, you need to be ready and armored up and in the Word. And... We're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about 
the types that God can use and the types that God can't use. And that's, that's, that's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. What I'm saying is, is that God will not place you in a situation or a circumstance or an experience without him being there. And he also knows how much, you, how much heat to apply. Oh, that's good. That's good. How much heat to apply. No, he, I might only take a few degrees, whereas Kenley might take 100 degrees. No, you don't want to burn the you, the process is to get rid of the dross and leave the gold behind. Yeah, so he knows he knows how much heat to, to, to apply, and that's something that we have to we have to remember. We have to remind ourselves all the time. Remember, is God trustworthy? Right? Does he know better? And does he care? Those are three crucial questions that we have to we have to answer for ourselves. <clears throat> so the reason why these experiences happens, the good ones and the bad ones, it reminds us of how dependent we are on God. God wants us to be dependent on Him. He's our Father. He wants to care for us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be part of your life. Um, here recently, you've heard this, I know, more than once. What is God's plan for you and me? What is he trying to restore that was lost? Reconciliation. Mm, that's part of it. That's part of it. His image in us. That's what Adam lost. So God is going about to restore his image in us. Remember, that's what, what Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 28 says. To be conformed into the image of Jeff Trude? Brian Hedges? No, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is God's single-minded uh, single purpose for each and every one of us. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. We talked about that. That good involves God's glory, and that good involves our being conformed into his image. Everything is for our good. Work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's predestination, not your salvation. You're not predestined to be saved like the Calvinists like to teach, we are predestined to be in the image of Jesus Christ. That's our predestination. That's God's plan for each and every one of us. One of the things that we have to get into our head, what is one of the chief characteristics of Jesus Christ? Purity. Okay. Obedience. Obedience. Remember, he said, I came to, not to do my will, but the Father's will. The Father's will. That's the key. That's his, that's, that's, that his faithfulness to the Father's will, his obedience. His obedience. Hebrews 3.1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him. That's what God's looking for us, for us in us, is that faithfulness to him who called us. That obedience to him that called us. A life of faithfulness. 
a life full of faith. A life of faithfulness begins by that very first step of obedience. Yes, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you as a savior. Right? And then that continues on. It's, if you stop and think about it, our whole Christian life is one step of obedience followed by another step of obedience followed by another step of obedience. And as we learn to obey, as we learn to trust God and obey that, yes, he is worthy of my trust, yes, he knows better, yes, he does care for me, then that's how you will grow in your faith. So that's part of acknowledging the Lord in all of our ways. It's a, it's a heart issue. So, I'll, so five ways we can acknowledge God. I, I don't know how far I'll get, but we'll see what happens. The first one is, set your heart to seek Him. Set your heart to seek Him. 2 Chronicles 11.16 and after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, such as set their hearts to seek the Lord God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice on the Lord God of their fathers. When you set your heart to seek God, what you are saying, what you are doing, is that you are making God the most important person in your life. Is he? And you honestly say, yes, Jesus Christ is the most important person in my life. More important to me than my wife, more important to me than my job, more important to me than my kids and my grandkids. Can you honestly say that? Jeff, is it wrong for me to say yes to that more and more every day? It grows. It is. It's a growing process. Because we're always faced with things that challenge that. So yes, it's definitely a growth process. The Lord Jesus Christ should play fiddle to no one or no thing. When you set your heart to seek him, he plays second fiddle to no one or no thing. That's a life of trusting in the Lord with all thine heart and leaning not on thine own understanding, acknowledging him in all thy ways, and he shall direct thy paths. Luke 12, 46, Jesus himself said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross come after me cannot be my disciple. The only burden Jesus asks us to carry is the cross. And that simply symbolizes I'm dead to myself but alive unto God. And when you're alive unto God, you are truly alive. Truly alive. And don't let him, don't let what he says about hating your father and your mother, don't let that throw you. It's not hate. It's not hate. No. We're to, we're to honor mom and dad, we're to love our kids, we're to love our wives, even as Christ loved the church. But what he is saying is, when it comes to relationships, he is to be number one. He is the priority. He is the priority. The, the, the issue of the heart with many of God's people, including myself, is that sometimes we wrestle with my love for God and my love for whoever or whatever. 
Does God take precedence? Let me tell you something. When our love for God is where it needs to be, where it should be, other relationships work out. They just do. When your love for God, when you're setting your heart to seek Him, when God is the most important person in your life, everything else seems to work out. It just does. Because you've got everything in the right order. Yeah, Proverbs. Exactly. exactly. I had a gal come to me at, on the job site one time. She said, I'm having problems with so-and-so. I said, well, love him. Be friendly to him. Do nice things to him. Because God promises even your enemies will be at peace with you. She did it. And guess what? It worked. It worked. So set our heart to seek him. He's the most important. Incline our heart. Incline your heart to the Lord. Uh, Joshua 24, 23 says, Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. You know, when there is a conflict between your fidelity either to the Lord or someone or something else, how does your heart, where does your heart go? How's your, how's your heart inclined to go? Is it, is it inclined to, to follow the Lord or, or is it inclined to go the other direction? What is the inclination of your heart? That's something you, you need to get settled. That's something you need to get settled. 1 Kings chapter 8, 58 says that he may incline our hearts unto him. That he may incline our hearts unto him. See, when you set God first as your priority, then, then guess where your heart's going to go? Where your treasure is? Is God your treasure? That he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and the statutes and the judgments which he commanded for our fathers. You guys know this as well as I do. There are so many voices out there shouting for our attention. Come, follow me. Come this way. Come do this. Come be this way. Come think this way. Am I wrong in that? There are so many voices out there clamoring for our attention. You can't turn on the television. You can't turn on the radio. You can't pick up a magazine. You can't get on um, the internet. And there's those voices out there screaming for your attention. Come, draw, come this way, come this way. What are they doing? They're trying to draw you away from the Lord. And they're so good at it. And they're so subtle. You need to settle in your heart that there's not going to be anyone or anything that's going to draw you away from God. And I'm going to tell you something. It happens before you even realize it. It happens before you even realize it. That's how you acknowledge God. He has your heart. He's the most important person in your life. Also, cleanse your heart. Cleanse your heart. Keep your heart clean. Psalms uh, 51.10 Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Sometimes I'll walk around with a stinky attitude. (laughs) That's because my heart's not clean. 
Because my heart's not clean. So I've got to get my heart cleaned up. Get rid of that stinky attitude. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filth, filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Give up those things that foul up your hearts. Give up those things that foul up your hearts. I'm not against television. I watch television. But come on, folks, there's programs on television we have no business watching. My kids got a big kick out of this. How long ago was it? A couple of years ago? I came into them and got all excited. Hey, guys, did you know there was such a thing called YouTube? <laughs> Honestly, it wasn't just what? A couple of years ago, I realized. <clears throat> There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. Stuff we don't want anything to do with. Want any part with. Pray, you know, get away from those things that foul up your heart. Pray for God to create in you a heart that desires to be clean. That desires to be clean. That wants to stay clean. Let me tell you something. You know, there are some, there are some things that... I know this is true of you because it's true of me. There are, there are some things that in the past I would say, no way, I don't want anything to do with that. But now I'm finding myself acceptable. That's okay. More tolerant. Why? Why is that? What happened? It's still the same kind of evil that I rejected. Why am I so tolerant of that evil now? It's questions I have to ask myself. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Man, I'm telling you what, there is so much perversity out there. So much hatred out there. So much warped thinking out there. I mean, it's like, it's like the thinking of this country and people are just so perverse and so warped and so upside down anymore. It's a wonder that a, it's a little wonder that a madman enters into a grocery store and starts shooting people. That guy's mind was twisted. Twisted. Yeah. And he's not alone. He's not the only one out there running around, folks. There might be some of some of us sitting in this church that are that way. You don't know until it happens. I mean, where are you going to find that which is true, honest, pure, just, lovely, of good report, of virtue, of praise to, to meditate on? Where are you going to find it? Yeah, in the Word of God. Psalms 119.36 it says incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness <clears throat> yeah you're going to find it in God's word you keep your heart clean in God's word now I'm not opposed to reading good books uh, I love it when I find a good book I do uh, I, I'm not opposed to reading good books as long as it's based on what God's word <laughs> 
Yeah, if it's contrary to God's word, I don't want anything to do with it. I, I have started books and gotten maybe a fourth of the way through, realized this guy was off in the weeds. I, you know what I do with that book? I file it away into file 13. I drop it in the trash can. It's not worth the time. Not worth the time. I enjoy listening to good men who are devoted to God. I love to hear a good preacher who's devoted to God. We had a young man in our, in our prayer uh, breakfast yesterday. Simple message, simple truth. But I love to hear that kind of stuff. We've got, we're, we're blessed with a pastor who preaches good stuff because he's devoted to God's word. I'll listen to somebody like that all the day long. But I'll also check them out. And you should be doing the same thing. Even with, I don't care who it is. You check them out. And you know where, uh, where you go to check them out? Come on guys, you know the answer to this. God's word. God's word. So if a book doesn't line up with God's word, what do you do with the book? Toss it. If a man or a woman isn't preaching or teaching according to God's word, what do you do? You don't listen to them. Or you challenge them. Because maybe they, you know, it could be. I've, I've stood up here and said things, and I've had somebody come and say, you know, Jeff, the Bible says, you're absolutely right, I got that wrong. I got that wrong. If I'm wrong, I want somebody to tell me I'm wrong. Don't, don't leave me in error. Don't leave me in error. Does that make sense? Amen. Keep your heart. Another way we can acknowledge God, another way that we give God his rightful due is we keep our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Man, I tell you what, guys, you've got to guard that heart. Keep that heart. Because there are a lot of thieves out there that want your heart. Keep your heart against those things and against those people who would diminish your love for God, diminish your commitment to God, diminish your faithfulness to God, to get you to doubt in the very character of your God. Keep your heart. Not all friends are good friends. Not all friends are good friends. David said in Psalms 119, 115, Depart from me, ye evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. I don't mean to be harsh, but if you've got friends who aren't keeping commandments of God, they're not doing you a favor. They're not doing you a favor. Now, I'm not, also, I'm not advocating that we only deal with believers. And we let the rest of the world go to hell in a handbasket. I'm not for that either. We have to get out there. We have to make friends with the lost. So that we can make them friends of Jesus. I'm, I'm not saying that. Because unfortunately, um, there are some believers that will not deal with anybody but other believers. And quite frankly, I've known lost men who behave better than some of the saved men I know. It's contrary to the Great Commission. 
Uh, I, I love what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5 9. He says, I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, not altogether with forn- yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. See, God doesn't want us to live on a mountaintop by ourselves somewhere. We're not doing God any good, we're not doing ourselves any good, we're not doing anybody else any good. No, we make we make friends of the lost to introduce them to the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. But we are not to be influenced by them. We are to influence them. We are to influence them. So I'm saying if if the company if the company you are keeping is stealing your heart away from the Lord then you have to ask yourself this question what is it that I'm not doing in order to influence my friend or is this friendship really a wise thing for me to be involved in at this time Proverbs 13.20 says, He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Now I've got a lesson on companions, on friendships, that we're going to look at as we go through Proverbs. So I'll have a lot more to say about that. But outside of your parents, who do you think has the biggest influence in your life? Your friends. Your friends do. It was friends who got me smoking cigarettes. It was friends that got me drinking. It was friends that got me smoking pot and doing drugs. You know, yeah, I had the decision, but it was my friends who influenced me that way. After I got saved, it was friends who influenced me to read my word. It was friends who influenced me to sacrifice for God. It was friends who influenced me to stay faithful even when things were falling apart. See what I'm saying? We are to have friends and we are to be a friend. But who do you think our best friend should be? Yeah, Jesus. Is Jesus Christ your best friend? You got that right. How close are you sticking though? And then number five, don't, don't, don't harden your heart. Hebrews 3.8 says, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation of the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. You know, a failure to acknowledge God in all of your ways, to fail to set your heart to seek Him as the most important person in your life, to fail to incline your heart to His ways more so than the world's ways, to not keep your heart clean, to not guard your heart against the wrong influences that, that happen in life, what happens is this. You start becoming hard. You start becoming hard. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be so hard, so self-willed, so stubborn so disobedient that he can't guide you. He can't direct you. 
You know, the hardening of the arteries, what does that do? It restricts the blood flow through your heart, doesn't it? And when it gets really bad, what happens to that vital organ in your body? It either dies or gets severely damaged. And so many walk around with damaged hearts because they're hard against God. They're hard against God. When, you are, when your spiritual heart is hardened, that restricts the flow of God's word through your life. That restricts God being able to, to work with you. That restricts God's being able to guide you and direct you. That, that re, what, you do, what you're doing is, is you're grieving the Holy Spirit of God in your life. You're quenching the influence of the Holy Spirit of God in your life as he tries to speak to you through his word. So don't harden your heart against the Lord. A hardening of a heart is an indication of a prideful attitude that promotes self and declares your independence from God. Now we may not verbalize that, but we live it and we show it through our attitudes. What you're doing is, is you're establishing your terms in this, in this relationship. You know, Jesus Christ is, 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 is said to be our husbandman. Our husband, not husbandman. Our husband. Husbandman, that's a farmer, isn't it? Yeah, he's our... Well, let me tell you something. In, the, in this relationship between Jesus and you and me, I think I talked about this. Jesus doesn't take your name. We take his name in this marriage relationship. <laughs> It's not a hyphenated, it's not a Jeff Trude hyphen Christ. There's no hyphen in that relationship. But when you harden your heart, that's exactly what you're saying. Yep. Yep. A lot of these... A lot of these gals, you know, they'll, they'll take the husband's name, but it's always hyphenated with their maiden name first. And a lot of Christians treat the Lord that same way. Well, I don't want to lose my identity. Well, your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. So when you acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways, then he can guide you. He can direct your paths. When you acknowledge him, he can direct your paths. This is the kind of person that God can use. This is the kind of person that God can direct, lead, and guide. As we first started this study, I, talked, I entitled it The Landmarks of Life. And I mentioned that the Bible is our guide. It's our map as we navigate our way through this life on, on, our, way to home, on, on our way to our true home in heaven. And uh, Proverbs uh, re refers to it as the path of the just. Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. So if you are you know, exercising this, the light on that path gets brighter 
it gets brighter. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, then the Lord in turn commits himself to us, and then he will guide us and direct us along our, our, our path. Now, does that mean if we don't? Does that mean that God will abandon someone? No, very good. No, it doesn't mean that God's going to abandon you. God's not like these baby daddies who impregnate a young lady and then take off, leaving the young lady to, to raise the child on her own. He's, he's not that way. When you're a born-again believer, you are, you are God's child. He will not abandon God's child. What I'm talking about is, 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 is what, what is it about us, the character that we have to develop, I shouldn't say we have to develop, but the character that needs to be developed in our lives in order for God to direct us. But if we, if we don't want his direction in our life, if we harden our hearts to God, can God lead that kind of person? Can God direct that kind of... How many in here have um, <coughs> raised stubborn, self-willed children? <laughs> I hear a lot of murmuring here. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. That's that's what I heard. And Jeff, you know what's really cool about that though is way more early bring the child up in the way that they should go and back in the world of my apartment. As my got older, it's great to see how much closer they have grown. That's true. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, but what I'm talking about is us folks who know better who have been trained, but yet we're still obstinate and stubborn. What's the deal? What's going on there? And I'm saying that type of individual with that kind of mentality, God cannot, he wants to direct them, but he cannot direct them. Is that God's fault? No. It's our fault. Yeah, it's our fault. It's our self-will. You know, the Lord has saved us for a purpose. We are to be agents, we are to be agents of grace to others. We are to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to reconcile men to God, as we were reconciled men to God. But when we harden our hearts and we don't keep our hearts, we don't keep our hearts clean, we don't incline our hearts unto the Lord, if we don't set our hearts as God is the most important person in our life, that's contrary to what God desires of us. And he, you know, it, it's difficult for God to direct or lead or guide someone like that because they're obstinate, they're self-willed, they're rebellious. Candace, did you have something? Um, I was going to, you're talking about like obstinate. Um, there's that Psalm 32 that talks about leading a horse with like a Bible <laughs> where the Bible dies. Yes. He does. Yeah. And that was the point I was going to make. You know, yeah, he's not going to abandon you, but you know what kind of attention you're going to get? Just the same attention that you gave to your rebellious, stubborn child. He's going to, yeah, he's going to chastise you. If you're worth your salt as a parent, you're not going to let that little Jimmy or Sally get away with what they're doing. But how often do you see that out there? You know, parents overlooking that. That's not good. No, God will chastise you. 
Not because he's mean. He loves you and he wants to bring about that fruit of righteousness in your life. He wants you to be in this place, (laughs) not in the other place. So, yeah, so you'll get attention from your father. He's not going to abandon you. But let me ask you a question. Which way would it be better to walk with the Lord? In obedience or always having your little bottom paddle? How do you want to live your life? It's hard to walk <laughs> Yeah, do you want to be characterized as a man or a woman of God or a self-willed brat? We want to be the kind of person God can use for his glory. We want to be the kind of person that God can use for the ultimate good of others. Now, I want to talk about types God cannot direct. Alright, first one, those who think they know better. You ever come across somebody like that? Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. Here's somebody who thought they knew better. 1 Samuel 13, verse 11. If you're there, raise your hand. (laughs) Thank you. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore said I, The Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication on the Lord. Look what he said here. I forced myself therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. King Saul was one of those folks who thought he knew better than God. Instead of obeying and waiting for Samuel to come just like he was told to do, he allowed his circumstances to call the shots, and he sacrificed when he wasn't supposed to sacrifice. There are some people who live their lives just like that. They decide they know better than God. And contrary to what God's word says, they will do what they want to do. I've known folks who have been warned about, as an example, a marriage situation. You don't want to hook up with this gal, you don't want to hook up with this guy, and here are the following reasons, and here are the scriptures to back it up. What happens? That guy and that gal will go contrary to the clear counsel given to them from God's word. They'll end up hitching their wagging to this person. And I know from personal experience, within a year's time, in one particular case, in a year's time, they were divorced. They were divorced. That's just one example. The promise is, is he shall direct thy path. He shall direct thy path. Some believers think God follows them. 
that's not the right course, is it? No, we follow God. We follow God. We, God don't follow me. He, we follow, I follow God. And the Lord never does anything contrary to his word. He never does anything contrary to his word. Romans 3.5 says, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who takes, taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, yet why, yet, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? But not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Whose damnation is just? There are some of God's people who live exactly that way. They know that what they are doing and what they are involved in is totally contrary to God's word, but yet in their minds they've somehow justified that in the end God's going to get the glory and this is really, you know, good for the ministry and it never works out. It never works out. So if I've known men that got saved, got strung out on drugs and think that right there, they can... Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's my testimony. When I was, when I got saved, I didn't, of course I didn't have anybody around. All I had was, was the Bible. And I was trying to win my lost friends. Diane's witness to this. I'm trying to witness to my lost friends. Here I am sucking on a joint, and as I'm quoting scripture, I'm passing that joint on to my buddies. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Until I had a until I had a good godly man come up to me and start discipling me and start showing me what the Word of God has to say. And then I realized, oh yeah. That's kind of hypocritical. Here I am telling these guys that they can experience liberty and freedom, and here I am just sucking away on this thing. But unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that, that, that try to live their life like that, in open, in open disobedience to God's word, and yet they still expect God to bless them. It doesn't work doesn't work see Saul thought he knew better and he lost the throne it, it breaks my heart but churches today are doing things just to fill the pews it's all about nickels and noses and they're losing the lost and on top of that losing the saved And that's a soapbox I'm not going to get on. You've heard me harp on that too much. Another person that God cannot direct is those who will not listen. <laughs> Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. He that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. <clears throat> I, I recall one Christmas... Um, Diane had bought uh, Christmas gifts for our grandkids. And she, and there are these little boxes, and she had all the grandkids open up this gift at the same time. 
So they opened up the gift and they were all excited and you know this is a gift from grandma and then they kind of their mouths kind of just dropped to the floor as they pulled out of these little boxes rubber ears. Rubber ears. And they they well, what is this? What kind of present is this? And Diane said to them all, you remember when I told you when I was watching you? To use your ears, you guys aren't using your ears, you're not listening to me. And I threatened that I was going to buy you a set of ears at work. She says, there they are. But yet that's the way a lot of Christians live their lives. They've got ears, but for some reason when it comes to the things of God, they don't work. They don't work. Proverbs 1.23 says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my, known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but ye have said it not all my counsel and with none of my reproof. You know, people wonder why, why, why isn't things going okay? Why aren't things going the way they should be? Maybe you need to check. Are you listening are you listening? There was a man on the job site that I used to work. He, he would always complain that he was being passed over for promotion, being passed over for uh, certain jobs. Well, there was a good reason for it. Because every time this man was given a task, told this is how the task, this is what I, this is what I want you to do, he would do the contrary. He would do the opposite. Which ended up us going back to that task and having to rework. We would spend hours undoing what this guy did because he simply couldn't follow instructions. There's a lot of God's people who cannot follow instructions. They, it's almost like, and I think they do in some cases, they purposely go contrary to what God's Word says. And then they wonder why God's not blessing them. Remember what I said the chief characteristic of Jesus Christ was? What was it? Obedience. Obedience. What is, it the, what is the hymn I'm always saying? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's just not a hymn, folks. It is a lifestyle. It's one I struggle with. I think it's one we all struggle with. It's not because God doesn't want to direct you. It's simply because we won't listen. We just won't listen. And then um, those with divided hearts and minds. Another type of person God can't direct is a man or woman with a divided heart or mind. James 1.6 says, But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. He says, For let not that man, let not that man think that he shall excuse me, receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Uh, when I lived in Mountain Home, Idaho on the Air Force Base, we had... Um, 
privacy fences that the Air Force had put up to separate the yards. And um, good fences. And uh, my brother and I, he was, I think, in the second grade. I think I was in the third grade. One of our favorite games would be is that we would get up on those fences that had a two by four that ran across the top. And we'd get up on those fences like tightrope walkers and we would walk from one end of the neighborhood back along those fences. We got really good. And some of the yards were really exciting because sometimes the fence would sway or they have a big mean dog in the yard or they'd have rose bushes planted along the fence. But we would walk that fence. There's a lot of believers who walk the fence. They walk the fence with God. They have a double mind. They have a divided heart. So they walk the fence. Psalms 86.11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. That's what we want. We want God to direct us. I will walk in thy truth. That's what he wants from us. Unite my heart to fear thy name. He saw the problem. We walk the fence because we have divided hearts and divided minds. We need united hearts to fear God. That's what this is all about. I don't always have a united heart. Sometimes I walk the fence. Sometimes I have a divided heart and a divided mind. And it never goes well. Because <laughs> sometimes that fence gets wobbly. And sometimes I do fall in those yards with the big dogs. Or fall into the rose bushes. We can be so divided in our hearts and minds in, in regards to our loyalty to God. We wrestle with that divided heart and mind. I mean, Paul calls it, what is it, the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. Kind of like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus in Luke 18. I mean, he, he came to Jesus proclaiming his desire to follow the Lord and I've kept all these commandments from my youth. And then the Lord says, well, you lack one thing. And he was unwilling to give it up. He had a divided heart. He had a divided heart. Again, that's another reason for circumstances coming up. Sometimes we're not, a, we're not aware of this divided heart. Sometimes we're not aware of this. So God allows a circumstance, a circumstance to arise in our life, right? To try us, to get us to ask the question, does God care or does God know better? Is God worthy of my trust? And those moments are meant to give us that united heart to fear the Lord. Unfortunately, some of us don't take advantage of it.
Sure. Sure. Am I out of bounds? Well, again, it comes back to these things here. You know, is God the most important person in your life, or is it how Biden is running this country? Right? What is occupying you more? What is controlling your thinking? What is controlling your emotions? What is, what's, got, what's really got a hold of you? That's one indication whether or not one's heart is divided or not. What's driving me? Is, it, is, it, is, it, is my heart inclined more to the Lord or do I want to grab a gun and start making a statement? That type of thing. I'm just using your example. I'm just using your example, but it's true in almost it's true in everything. You know what's driving me? What's truly influencing me? See, we want God to work in our lives, but so often we're unwilling to be the type of person <laughs> that God can use because of these divided loyalties and this split heart and this unstable mind. But as we become more and more conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, become more Christ-like in our thinking, right? More Christ-like in our actions, more Christ-like in our emotions, more Christ-like in our attitude, yeah, then our minds will not be so divided. And our hearts not so divided and not so unstable because again remember what was the, what was one of the primary characteristics of Jesus faithfulness to the will of the father his obedience that's why if you set your heart to seek him incline your heart to him cleanse your heart keep your heart and don't harden your heart that's the type of person that God can work with that's the kind of person that God can direct are we always there? Not necessarily. But that's where we want to be. I don't know whether to stop or, or go on to the next point. The word direct means to lead in a straight line. I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this. The word direct in directing, in directing our path means to lead in a straight line. When I was a kid, I had a bicycle. And uh, who knows the reason? I don't remember the reason. Maybe a dog ran out in front of me. I don't remember. But I, I, I steered, is that the right word? Steered my bike into the curb. Of course, what happened was my front wheel and my handlebars went quip, went askew. And so I got on this. Have you ever tried to ride a bike with the handlebars? Yeah, motorcycle. Oh, man, no way. So here I am on this bike, you know, and it's just. I finally ride it home and I go in and say, Dad, I broke my bike. So well, let me take a look at it. He said, oh, all you've done is, is got your handlebars out of whack. 
So my dad takes the front wheel of that bike. I know you guys know our, he takes the front wheel of that bike, puts it in between his legs, grabs that handlebar and whoop, straightens it up and then tightens down that little, yeah. Yeah. We need to take our bike where the handlebars are out of whack and go to the Lord and allow him to straighten the handlebars of our life. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. When we go to God and acknowledge him in all of our ways, that's exactly what he does. And he sets us on the straight course. Sets us on the straight course. So, uh, Psalm 37.23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Do you delight in the way of God, or do you want to ride your bike with the handlebars out of whack? That's your call. But let me tell you something. It's a lot better to go to God and let him straighten those handlebars out. Wouldn't you agree? So we need to listen. We need to stop thinking we know better. And we need to pray for God to give us a united heart. One heart. One mind. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given us. We thank you, Lord God, that we can come to you, that you are indeed trustworthy. You are indeed all-wise, and you do indeed care for us. Oh, Father in heaven, that we would come to you and allow you to direct our paths. Help us, O oh God, to have hearts that are always seeking your face. Hearts, Lord God, that aren't hardened toward you, but willing to listen to you and obey you. Oh, Father, make us like your Son, Jesus Christ, who is obedient and faithful to you in all things. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.